welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. We're starting a series today on the Holy Spirit, and if you have a Bible, I want you to look at John chapter 4, and we're going to look at three passages, all in the book of John. All right, John chapter 4, Jesus walking north from Jerusalem, he has to go through a place called Samaria, a region there that he stops at a well. And he meets a woman there, and you may know this is an amazing passage. We're going to look at one, just one aspect of this whole story, starting in verse 10. It says, Jesus replied, If only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Everyone say, living water. Living water. If you look at the Greek, there are two words used. One means living, one means water. It's pretty simple. There's no other way it can be translated. Every Bible translation will say living water. Living water. Amazing expression. But sir, she said, you don't have a a rope or a bucket and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and the animals and his animals enjoyed? Um, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Pretty amazing words. So then he continues on. He goes through, um, he goes up into Galilee and, uh, and on the Sea of Galilee is a town called Capernaum and he sits down and teaches the people there. And he makes one of the seven I am statements that John records in his gospel. And we read this in John 6.35. If you scroll or if you're really old-fashioned, turn the page over to, do you remember that? Analog Bible. Um, And uh, and in John 6.35, Jesus replies, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. And the next statement, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty Okay, third passage. So we're never going to be hungry, never thirsty. Our souls need spiritual food and water that only Jesus provides. So, and then if you go to the next chapter, John 7, which actually records events more than a year later, uh, he's now in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles. He's at the temple speaking to people and it says, uh, verse 37 of John 7. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, wants to get the message across, notice that, cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. There's that expression again. And now he said this about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, Jesus offers us water, water that is described as living water, permanently quenching thirst, 
uh, in such a quantity and in such a manner that it says there are rivers of it. And he says those rivers are not just going to flow into you, they're going to actually flow out of you. Now, John helps us uh, under the divine inspiration that he's given when he writes these passages down and the record of Jesus' words. He helps us uh, and explains that this is talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who Jesus sent, swapped places in a sense, went to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit. And notice water is one of several metaphors or descriptions of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look at them, all the different descriptive terms that the Bible uses for the Holy Spirit um, over the next month or so. And so just today, we're going to look at this one of water. We all need water. There's nothing worse than a really hot day when you didn't bring water to church and there was no air conditioning, so it doesn't affect you. But back in the day, I can remember watching preachers jealously thinking, why didn't I bring water before we had bottled water? Remember those days? Remember when they, they, what did we do? There wasn't bottled water. Why did, you just got thirsty with it and the preacher would go, yeah. mm. um, But, we, you know, it's one of the building blocks of life. We all get thirsty. You know, it's our most basic human need. We feel it all the time. And survival experts will tell you that you can survive weeks without food, but not very long without water. In fact, they say you can, have, you can go 30 days without food, only three days without water, three minutes without air. And so water is just so essential. You know, our eldest Hudson's in the army and he's been out on these outfield army exercises over the years, nearly 10 years now. And um, they take them out in the sticks and they, uh, they deprive them of food for days on end. They uh, don't give them any shelter from the elements. They just sleep in the mud with the rain all over them. Sometimes they're not even allowed to use a sleeping bag because they've got to train to be you know, ready and sleep with a rifle right there. Uh, they're forced to keep moving, often without any sleep. So they do the sleep deprivation thing to try to test the, the grey matter and see how you can focus when you haven't had any sleep. Um, and they, of course, they have no creature comforts, uh, the things that we take for granted. And it's all designed, of course, to test them, to train them, to toughen them up. But interestingly, they never do it without water. They always give them water, as much as they need. Half the time they have to carry it themselves, so that's <laughs> a part of the challenge. But they don't want to kill them. They're not stupid. It's like we want these guys to be soldiers, not dead. Uh, and, and it wouldn't look good, you know. Good enough bad press as it is. Uh, you know, they've thought, brainstorm, let's not kill the soldiers while we train them. And they always give them plenty of water because they know if they're exercising, they need the water. They can't do much without it. And we all have the sense of thirst and our own experiences of times when we're really, really thirsty and, and we know we need water just to survive. And this thirst is true spiritually as much as it is physically. And, and so deep in our spirit, you know, your body was made to live on water and your soul was made to live on God. And only Jesus will bring the quenching, the satisfaction, the meeting that thirst. You know, David famously, King David, Psalm 63 verse 1 says, Oh God, I, I thirst for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. This is the king, rich, famous, powerful, access to everything the world had to offer. Uh, 
none of it satisfied. His soul is still acutely aware that only God will quench this thirst that is deep inside. And, you know, you can have everything the world's got to offer. And there's a lot to offer. There's a lot to enjoy. And we can get a lot of physical satisfaction. You can eat fine food. You can get fit and strong. You can be like Caf Spratt. Not just one gym class. I went to the gym with Eleanor yesterday to some crazy weight program thing you know it's half dancing with barbells bashing in the head it's the craziest I don't know body exercise what are they I don't know some pump weight pump class you know and there's little calf just oh yeah you know doing it and then afterwards she does two more classes every Saturday you know so she's like supreme physical specimen that's awesome and you can enjoy you know oh look travel you could even go to Queenstown everybody who goes to Queenstown says oh has a special place in my heart. And Paul and Lynn are sick of it. Well, they're not really because they'll have anyone visit them. And okay, hands up if you've stayed in Paul and Lynn's house. There's quite a few people. Look at this. Look at that. Look, half the church. Half of them, they don't even know them. They don't remember them. We've, had, we've got friends who had had their honeymoon in Queenstown and, and they thought, oh, we can't afford to go back. We'd love to. And we thought, Paul and Lynn will have them. Sure enough, bring them up. Caleb brings his parents. Yeah, that's fine. Off they go. Um, Ruth's saying, quiet, everyone's going to go. They're going, um, why am I saying this? Because Paul and Lynn have already, travel's awesome, the world's got a lot to offer, but Jesus quenches you. All right, enough of that, right? Get it? So no matter what the world offers you, enjoy it, but it, it can satisfy the physical body, even the soul, the soul mind. But then we go deeper, spirit, deep within our spirit. Soul and spirit are... Uh, inseparable, but they are separate. They are different with tripartite beings, you know. And so uh, we, we need the, the spiritual uh, water that, that only Jesus offers, brings by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So that's awesome because it shows that it's a free offer. It's anyone. Any, is anyone, anyone? Everybody and anyone. There's no conditions. He just says, whoever believes in me. And so just as salvation is offered as a free gift to anyone who believes, the water of the Holy Spirit is offered as part of the package. And, uh, and of course, it means that our soul ah, gets satisfied, gets the life of God in us, because that's what water does. Water brings life and the Holy Spirit brings life. And, and so he, this is the, the main takeaway I want you to get, not just for today, but, but just for the whole series that we'll look at for the, for the next month or so. What we're aiming for is that each one of us gets a reminder and a revelation that we need the Holy Spirit, that we can't do life without him, that we're not created to do life without him, and that he brings the life and power and presence of God into our lives. And, and, and we just, you know, the Christian life without the Holy Spirit is a folly. It's a facade. It's, it's, uh, it's a nonsense, really. It's just an appearance of something without being the real deal. Uh, because the Christian life is not just a, a creed that we follow or a, a set of beliefs or, or trying to be a nice person or uh, enjoying lovely worship moments in church and having fellowship and nice coffee. And, and, and that's all good, but... It's the essence of the Christian life 
is God in us, living in us, pouring his water, so to speak, into us, receiving life from God, bubbling up inside us that living water so that it overflows into other people's lives, so that we don't just have our lives blessed and changed and we're not just got our ticket to heaven ourselves, but we're actually ministering. We're actually just helping and not in our own strength. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, as the Lord has said in the Old Testament as a prophetic voice for the future right through to this present day, that it's the Holy Spirit that gets the work of God done in us and through us. And so then we end up with his qualities of love and peace, patience, kindness, you know, the fruit of the Spirit and all sorts of other gifts and stuff going on in us, for us, but also through us. So it's very exciting. And sadly, some Christians are not living in the fullness of that excitement because the Holy Spirit, well, he sometimes isn't so well understood. Uh, he is a person. Just stop for a moment and re- appreciate that. He is God himself. He's not just a force. He's not just a spiritual entity or some impersonal spirit. He's part of the Trinity. So we can know him. We can relate to him just as much as we do to God the Father and Jesus the Son. And as I said, some Christians have a hard time dealing with and understanding the Holy Spirit. And there's a few reasons for that. The name that we often use in English can put us off because the doesn't sound like a person. The Holy Spirit sounds like a thing. But that's just in translation. Many times in the original languages, the the isn't there. It's just become a convention that has gone on into our translation. So you you can talk to... Holy Spirit, if that helps, and not say the Holy Spirit and get to talk to him, fellowship, know him as Holy Spirit. He's also known as the Spirit of Christ because he's, he's always pointing towards Jesus and the great act of the work of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus that brings us forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. And, and so he's, he's not wanting to be on centre stage as much and point us towards Christ. And then there's the descriptions of his ministry that are kind of impersonal, like water and oil and fire and different things that we'll look at, but they're just trying to describe how he operates. It's not him. Uh, So he is very much a person with all the attributes of personality. And that's important for us to know so we can understand him, so we can get close to him, so we can walk with him and, and work with him. Because when you read through the Bible, you see the Holy Spirit makes choices, convicts. Uh, he can be grieved and lied to and blasphemed. He, uh, he teaches, he guides, he reveals, blesses, anoints, comforts. He, want, he wants to be in fellowship with us as a person. Yeah, So he is God and he brings us his life, the life of God, pouring into us. Just as we've been saying, like... like Water. In fact, the Bible often talks about being filled with the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, just like you would fill up a glass or fill up your thirst with, with water or pour water into a jug or something. And, and that filling isn't just one off. The, I mean, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's a wonderful experience and we can pray for you. In fact, I'll ask Ruth, she didn't know this, I'll ask her to pray for anyone at the end of the service 
who wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we see this subsequent to salvation, an encounter with the Lord Jesus baptizes us. We know the Holy Spirit is present at salvation as a seal, and yet he can baptize us in such a way that we're endued with power and boldness, with gifts like speaking in tongues and others that come with that. And that's awesome, but that's just the beginning. That's just the start of a life of being filled continually with the Holy Spirit, yeah? And so that's why we talk about a Spirit-filled lifestyle or a Spirit-filled church so that we are walking with the Holy Spirit and we don't walk away from any other aspects of uh, good Bible doctrine. We just believe the Bible and it's there. You can read the book of Acts and the letters that Paul to the Corinthians and there's a lot in the New Testament that I, to be quite honest, wonder what some Christians do when they're dealing with that, if they're not living in the Spirit. And so it's, it's a lifelong walk of fellowship with Him, yeah? A, a constant empowering, a continual receiving and drinking in. Notice what He said to the woman uh, when He was at the well, the woman of Samaria. He said, you'll never thirst again. That's a pretty good offer. In other words, there's no limit to this resource. You can keep drinking. You can just always be satisfied. And, you know, sports people, they know about hydration and you've got to keep the fluids up. If you're exercising or competing, you just can't do it without water. I remember um, Pat Rafter, great Australian tennis player, famously... Uh, getting cramps because he couldn't, he sweat, he sweated so much. Like some people sweat, you know, some people sweat a lot, a lot more than others. And he sweated so much that he would often be struggling, taking in as much liquid as he could throughout a tennis match. And his legs would start to cramp up because he just couldn't get the fluids in as they were being sweated out of him. And I remember seeing him once frustrated and in great pain having to retire from a match because his legs were just cramping up. And if you've played... Footy and you haven't hydrated up, you know, towards the end of a match sometimes, ah, you know, and you see, and sometimes you'll see even guys, I've seen rugby guys who are wanting to kill each other one minute and then towards the end of the game, some guys, ah, crap, and then the bloke will quickly grab his foot, you know, and lift and stretch his leg to just stop the cramp in the calves. It's like one minute he's going to kill him, next minute he goes, oh, but that's cramp, that's really bad, you know, you know I wouldn't wish that on my worst, worst enemy. And you are my worst enemy, but here, let me help you. You've seen all that? You've seen that? And you guys just hold their... So, oh, 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 thank you, thank you. Oh. Have you ever had that when you're sleeping? You've had a crazy, weird exercise day? You go to bed, you sleep, you're like, ah, the middle of the night, what is going on? Your legs cramping up. You think, must drink more water, you know. Long distance runners know this. Oh, yes. My wife's always telling me, must drink more water. Well, when you do a long distance run, boy, they've got drink stations. You know, all the way along, usually, you know, every 5Ks and you learn you've got to take in your fluids. Um, and motorbike riders, you know, when I go dirt bike riding, we've got these fantastic camelbacks. I don't know what we did when I was younger, but everyone's got a camelback these days because you've got to keep the fluids up. And, uh, you know, you you just body is desperate for water and, and all the more desperate if you're dirt bike riding and you get stuck and you're dragging your bike around or it falls on you and you're picking it up and then you stop after a while and you have a break, you'll take your helmets off and you chat and all that and then you put your helmet back on and it's all cold and wet because of the sweat and you realise, 
flip. You know, there's a lot of fluid going on here. And there's nothing worse than running out of water in your camelback or having a leak like Luke did in his. And you've got none left. And so that's a problem. And so spiritually, the Holy Spirit is a supernatural camelback. He is just there with constant, because you've got the little, if you know what I'm talking about, the camelbacks, you stick the tube in your mouth and you can be riding or running and doing whatever, and you just got the water just sucking on all the time. Whenever you need it, just constantly. And he never runs out, never gets a leak, doesn't break. He's just going to keep you spiritually hydrated and energised. It's awesome. And notice the quantity and the quality of this water. Jesus says, it's not a trickle, it's a river. And that river flows from heaven. You know, you can read about that several times in the Bible. Like Psalm uh, 46 says, There is a river whose stream makes glad the river of God, the city of God. And it goes on and says, um, It's the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. There's a river in heaven. And people like Ian McCormick, who we had last week, he didn't get through the whole story. He had a couple of, you know, diversions, but, you know, the details. If you hear his story on his DVD and other people who have died and had similar experiences, gone to heaven and come back, they'll often talk about the river that they see, the river of God. So there it is in heaven, and that same river is pouring into us if we want it to. There's this, you know, there's a a closer connection sometimes than we realise between heaven and earth, between the spiritual and the natural. You know, this is where miracles occur. This is when tangible encounters and presence of God. But notice it doesn't always have to be spectacular. Okay, so an encounter with the Holy Spirit is what we're encouraging and talking about. But it's always spiritual. It's always supernatural. Doesn't have to be spectacular. Because sometimes people get on the, you know, oh, I've got to feel the tingles and it's got to be, you know, making me freak out physically. Not necessarily. I mean, you can have spectacular, amazing encounters. You can have, I mean, look at Smith Wigglesworth. You know, he didn't just pray, oh Lord, you know, the person get healed and maybe, you know. He raised dozens of people from the dead. He raised his own wife from the dead. There's a a joke in there for some (laughs) blokes, you know, like, why, why? But uh, uh, he had people who came up with uh, tumours and they'd come out for prayer, he punched them in the stomach. And of course, they'd fall down, freak out, and before they could get angry, they'd realise, he's punched it out of me, I'm healed. I mean, what's that? That's crazy spectacular, but you don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, somebody got a headache, boom! No, wow, it's worse, you idiot, right? So we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? And so the Spirit of God is going to move through us all differently. We're not all going to be Smith Wigglesworth or some crazy, you know, wild healing evangelist that's famous or, you know, but he's going to move through you in his own way, in your own way. But notice it is powerful. Notice it's a river. You know, it's not, this is a river that's like a river fed from a spring or that's got constant uh, melting snow, like in alpine areas that... It's not affected by drought. God's not struggling at different seasons. Oh, how much is in my river for my people, right? It's, he's abundant. He's got so much. Look, I've been to Niagara Falls, and some of you, I'm sure Tony has. Uh, I'm surprised. He lived in Canada, but just 
kept on the other side. Okay, anyway, well, you know, near Toronto, on, on the other side from where Tony lived, in, is, is, uh, is Niagara Falls. It's the most amazing experience because um, it, there's, you, you've probably heard there's more water that goes over Niagara Falls than any other waterfall in the world. It's not the highest, but the quantity of water. You can go up to the side of the falls and it's as thick as this, stage, as this whole height of the stages, like several metres thick going over the edge. And then you can go through tunnels and stand behind it and see it go through. And you can hear it. The sound is deafening. It's like the power of God in natural form. And there's, there's I wrote it down, there's three million litres of water going over that edge every second. Three thousand tonnes of water. So, you know, hey, we've got Summersby Springs, or what's, what's the little, what's the one you take, go up to Giracool. Yeah, oh, it's a great waterfall on the Central Coast. Yeah, it's come, you know. Oh, hang on, hang on. It's summer, there's no water. But anyway, there's rocks are nice. Go for a bushwalk and a couple of rocks, you know. Woohoo, you know. <laughs> so, you know, the Americans, they're so proud. Everything's bigger and better. Canada, America, put it together. Niagara Falls, yeah. We do. But it's just, I just remember being struck I only went there once a long, long time ago and uh, just thinking of scriptures like this and just thinking, oh God, river of living water. Wow, you know, this is in the physical, in the natural, what God wants to do in the spiritual. Pour that into us and pour it through, pour it through us. So what does this look like? Let me just give you a couple of examples. To have this constant flow of living water in your life. What is it? it sounds good, you know, but oh, peace like a river and power and, you know, they're good concepts. But look, it means that when you pray in the morning, you're filled with his life, with his energy, so much that when you leave the house, there's a spring in your step. And rather than just, you know, grumbling and stumbling and crumbling sometimes throughout the day because of issues, you're on top. The Holy Spirit, the river of living water is in you. Yeah? It means that you come up against a challenge and instead of being beaten down by it or freaked out or stressed by it, you, you find yourself praying quietly. You're praying in tongues. You're praying in the Spirit. And the Spirit rises up inside you and reminds you, you're more than a conqueror. We, we got this, as they say. And you've got strength and you've got a solution to whichever problem you face. It means that when you have conflict with someone else, you don't just get down at their level and fight back with words that you'll later regret. You sense his love. You sense his grace. You sense his peace and wisdom. So you package all that together. It means you forgive the person. You bless them. You speak gently. You diffuse the situation and you just calm everything down. And you're on top. It means that you find someone with a need and they're telling you all their problems. And instead of just saying that classic insipid, Oh, well, you know, or, or the Christian version, oh, well, I'll, I'll pray for you. Got to go, bye, you know. But actually, maybe the Holy Spirit says, yeah, you will pray for them right now. <laughs> you know, yes. And what do you know? They say, yes, that's okay, please. Well, and then you actually pray for them. And maybe even there, the situation changes. Maybe that sore leg gets better. Maybe that issue they've got, actually, they sense a shift. Oh, and or you share your faith, your story, your encounter with God, and or you invite them to church. You, the Holy Spirit's 
stirring you to minister, to make a difference, to contact and connect with them. Not just eh, going through life in your own little bubble and not making any impact. It just means so many different things throughout our day that is the difference between saying you're a Christian and really living your, life, your best life, full of the Holy Spirit, yeah? encountering God, living right with him. Uh, and, and, well, look, we're running out of time, but I'll give you the quickest three-point message you've ever heard. You ready? Because we don't have to live thirsty, right? You, you, you don't need to live dying of thirst. You, you, there's an oasis called the Holy Spirit in this dry and weary land, right? And so we can find him. We can seek him. We can, we can let his river flow through us. You can keep drinking. you just got to keep your, yourself positioned to receive. So how do you do that? Here's the three-point message. You ready? I, 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 I don't have to give it to you. I mean, I could go home with this incredible stuff. I, I'm ready to, I'm wrapping, I'm going, that's it. I'm not, you're not interested. Okay. All right. I'm just doing the silly, you know, American thing. Um, nothing against Americans. I just mean the, all right, so here you go. This is, how you, this is how we basically say, repent from sin. So we've got to live right before God, honest. Pray. That's how we, we, we get filled with the Spirit and not just once but continually. And thirdly, decide to walk in step with the Spirit. So you, you, know, you, you repent from sin and you pray, but then you, you keep, this is what Paul means by continual prayer, you walk with an awareness of the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk more about that, just having his presence on us. Praise him. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.